Welcome to another podcast from School of Surgery. Today we're continuing the Basics of series with open vascular operations, carrying on from the colorectal procedures podcast a few weeks ago. So today's learning outcomes will be knowledge of very basic vascular anatomy, key terminology relevant to open vascular procedures so you're not uh, confounded when first faced with these procedures on the ward, common vascular operations and their indications, and knowledge of the scars following common arterial operations. I think it's important to say this podcast is not going to cover all of the relevant pathophysiology, underlying disease, indications and complications following vascular surgery. It's more of a roadmap as to the common operations you'll see in a vascular unit um, and the scars that, that the patient's left with following these. In terms of the anatomy, here we can see the abdominal aorta, the common iliac artery which divides into the external and internal iliac, passing underneath the inguinal ligament this becomes the femoral artery before the, becoming the popliteal artery and the popliteal fossa which then divides into the anterior and posterior tibial and the perineal artery also known as the fibular artery. <clears throat> and then coming up to the top end, this again very basic, just to remind us that off the arch of the aorta we have the brachiocephalic trunk on the right hand side which then goes on to give the right common carotid and the right subclavian, then we have the left common carotid, the left subclavian and the aorta to follow on becoming the descending aorta. So common operations, <clears throat> one of the ones you will have heard about will be the abdominal aortic aneurysm repair. And then other ones are carotid and femoral end arterectomies, embolectomies, and bypass operations, of which there are numerous. So starting with the AAA repair. This could be either an open, um, an elective operation, and sometimes it can be an emergency operation if these aneurysms uh, rupture, uh, where the patient's rushed into hospital and has to have it as an emergent procedure. Aneurysms are most commonly infrarenal, and what we mean by this is that uh, the aneurysm is below the level of the renal arteries, and this is important uh, for deciding as to what repair and if the if treatment is possible, because if the aneurysm involves the renal arteries, this obviously has implications um, on blood flow to the to the renal arteries, and therefore this requires more uh, significant planning or significant expertise to fix these. So, the AAA repair is more common, especially in the UK recently, due to uh, screening programmes, picking up people in the community, therefore having their AAAs repaired as an elective procedure as opposed to uh, rupturing and either dying in the community or being rushed into hospital. Um, AAA repair is indicated either if the aneurysm is rapidly enlarging, if it's greater than 55 centimetres in diameter due to the increased risk of rupture, and if they're symptomatic, which may be due to uh, an inflammatory component, or if they're uh, infected. <clears throat> I think it's important to uh, remind ourselves that the normal abdominal aorta in an adult is approximately 2 centimetres. Anything greater than 3 centimetres could be considered as aneurysmal. And some people out there would be asking, well, what do you call the abdominal aorta if it's between two and three centimetres? And the answer is ectatic. So it's an ectatic artery, uh, not to be confused uh, with what I've encoded sometimes on the ward when uh, an excited medical student comes up to me and says the patient has an ecstatic aorta. So please avoid that. <clears throat> so with a AAA repair, uh, it's a prerequisite to have a general anaesthetic. Um, usually requiring a midline laparotomy to gain good access to the whole of the abdominal aorta. The first thing you need to do is to expose via entering through the retroperitoneum 
and gain proximal and distal control uh, before opening the aneurysm sac and inserting a synthetic graft uh, to bypass the aneurysm. And that is it in a nutshell. As I said, we won't be covering the intricate technical detail of the operation, but I will just take you to a diagram. So here we can see we need a midline laparotomy to access. Here we have a aneurysmal sac, and you can see it's infrarenal and doesn't involve the iliac arteries. We need vascular clamps for proximal and distal control before opening the aneurysm sac and inserting a synthetic graft. Moving on to carotid endarterectomy. This is essentially the surgical treatment for atherosclerosis affecting the carotid artery. As you're aware, there are multiple medical management options for both preventing and treating atherosclerotic disease. However, in some instances, due to the presence of, for example, a TIA or a stroke, surgical management is indicated. The investigations to evaluate the carotid arteries commonly are duplex, CT angiogram, magnetic resonance angiogram, and these can help uh, delineate whether or not there is a stenosis, and if so, the extent of the stenosis. And broadly speaking, a stenosis of between 50 and 99% indicates surgery in symptomatic patients. And uh, here in the UK, this is urgent surgery, therefore completed within two weeks of the initial presentation of their cerebrovascular accident. So, unlike the AAA, we uh, can either use local or general anaesthesia. Now, the incision for a carotid endarterectomy is very variable according to the surgeon and usually we see the incision is made over the SCM, so as you can imagine, a curved incision over the uh, sort of anterior, well, just posterior to the anterior triangle of the neck, and this exposes the carotid artery. We want to see it just at the bifurcation, therefore exposing the common and then internal and external uh, carotid arteries, which are then controlled. Some surgeons use a shunt at this point to maintain cerebral perfusion. Arteriotomy is performed and the plaque removed, which is very satisfying if you ever get the opportunity to see this in theatre, and the defect is closed sometimes with an artery patch to increase the calibre of that vessel. So just to remind us, here we have the midline, the mandible superiorly, SCM splitting the anterior and posterior triangle, the clavicle below, and this is roughly where you'd see the incision, which is anywhere between 5 and 10 centimetres long usually. Here you can see where the arteriotomy would be performed, just at the level of the bifurcation, which is most commonly where you uh, discover the atherosclerotic plaque. And it's important to remember, we won't go into detail, but as you can imagine, at this area of the neck, at this level, there are multiple other structures which can be damaged due to, the, due to this procedure, including important nerves and vessels. And then you can see the arteriotomy closed with a patch. Femoral endarterectomy. So essentially, Again, like a carotid endarterectomy, this is surgical treatment of atherosclerosis. Indications include lower limb ischemia. This may be a patient who presents to the outpatient clinic with symptoms of intermittent claudication, who subsequently discovered to have an atherosclerotic stenosis at the level of the femoral bifurcation, where the profunda comes off the uh, femoral artery. Or it could be due to a patient who's come in who's developed this uh, plaque over time, but suddenly has an acute thrombus, as you would in a myocardial infarction, and develops acute limb ischemia. There's a small vertical incision in the groin to get good exposure to the femoral artery. Again, there's an arteriotomy removal of the atherosclerotic plaque, an artery closed with or without a patch to maintain the calibre. 
So on a patient you'd see a small vertical incision uh, depending on which side over the femoral artery in the groin. Embolectomy. Now <clears throat> the important thing to remember here is the difference obviously between an embolus and a thrombus. An embolus is uh, essentially a clot which has travelled from a distant site to cause uh, an arterial uh, blockage somewhere else in the body whereas a thrombus is where you have the clot developing at the site of that occlusion. Embolectomy is indicated when an embolus causes acute limb ischemia and surgically this can either be a direct embolectomy whereby the surgeon opens the artery over where they anticipate the embolus to be but more commonly we use a balloon catheter which is passed down the artery distal to the embolus, a balloon blown up and the embolus subsequently removed. There's usually a predisposition present, such as atrial fibrillation, uh, predisposing the patient to develop in a clot, which then travels from the heart to the place where it, dis where it lodges in the artery and causes ischemia. So here's a very basic diagram showing your blood vessel with an embolus lodged in that, causing distal ischemia. The surgeon gets their catheter, passes this distal to the clot, injects some uh, saline or water to in inflate the balloon distal to the clot, and then on, on removing this, the uh, clot will be removed from the vessel, which is um, nicely represented in this diagram, but in practice can be much more difficult due to the nature of the, uh, the vessels and the clot. Bypass operations. There are a number of these operations. They're indicated due to a diseased segment of artery causing ischemia distal to this, this disease. The way in which we can bypass arteries are to either use the patient's tissue uh, such as a vein graft or using synthetic grafts which are much more successful uh, in the modern era and this is very much patient dependent and depending on the availability of their their veins for harvesting and it usually requires investigations prior to plan this surgery such as an MRA, CTA or angiography. So starting with an auto bifemoral bypass I think if I was a third year medical student walking onto the vascular ward and someone said you know patient in bed one has had an aorto bifem, I'd instantly be uh, a bit sort of muddled up as to what they've had done. So here's a clear uh, diagram representing uh, the disease in the distal end of the aorta, an atheromatous plaque, and the femoral arteries distal to this. As you can imagine, if this plaque builds up, you're going to have reduced blood supply pretty much to the whole lower half of the body. So what the surgeon can do via quite a large incision in the lower abdomen is to use, in this case, a synthetic graft communicating the distal aorta proximal to that uh, plaque with the femoral arteries, therefore maintaining blood flow between the aorta and the distal femoral arteries and therefore the lower body. Femoral popliteal bypass. So again, in your head you're imagining that this is a bypass between the femoral and the popliteal artery and this could be well, in this case, due to disease in the superficial femoral artery, the disease commonly uh, is at the bifurcation where the profunda femoris uh, bifurcates from the common femoral artery. This can be treated with a femoral end arterectomy, as we discussed previously, <clears throat> but sometimes due to the nature and length of the disease, this is not possible. So in this case, a synthetic graft has been passed from the common femoral artery down to the popliteal artery, femoral popliteal bypass. And the incision in this one can look uh, very large, extending from the groin all the way down the medial aspect of the leg, medial aspect of the knee, down into the calf. Axillofemoral uh, bypass. This can be axillofemoral or axillobifemoral. And this is usually due to aortoiliac occlusive disease. 
So as you can see, there is disease in the distal aorta, and in this case, both iliac arteries. As you can imagine, this can be quite debilitating, producing bilateral or significant limb chronic ischemia. And in this case, uh, due to the either the uh, patient's comorbidities, not um, allowing them to have a significant open abdominal operation, or due to the nature of their uh, vascular disease, we need to bypass from the axilla down to the femoral arteries with a synthetic graft. Some of you may ask, well, how does the graft get from the axillary artery right up underneath the clavicle all the way down to the femoral arteries in the groin without making a cut all the way down the trunk and abdomen? Well, the vascular surgeons make only small incisions underneath the clavicle, the axillary artery, and then, depending on whether it's uh, single or bifemoral, over the, over the arteries in the groin, and use a tunneling device, which is like a long metal rod, to tunnel the uh, synthetic graft underneath the skin. So it's almost like uh, minimally invasive vascular surgery. And you can see here, for a single axillofemoral bypass, a small scar underneath the clavicle and a scar in the groin. I think this case demonstrates nicely how important it is to look out for these small scars at uh, sites in the body where you may not anticipate when faced with these patients in an OSCE in order for you to pick up the most marks and try and identify the pathology and the, uh, the surgery the patients had. And if you imagine this synthetic graft has been tunnelled underneath the skin, when examining this patient, if you palpate carefully, you can often feel the synthetic graft underneath the skin, roll it underneath your fingers, let go in between these two scars, and if you, if you listen with a stethoscope, you may hear a brewy, and when you palpate, you may palpate a thrill. Fem-fem crossover, another common term you'll see people uh, on the vascular wards so-and-so in uh, bed B is at a fem-fem crossover and you may be thinking what, what on earth has gone on there. Well as you can imagine if you've got uh, iliac disease as you can see in this patient's left hand uh, side femoral artery <coughs> and you want to bypass this however due to the, the nature of this disease it's not possible to bypass from proximal to distal however the patient's right hand side has got a very good flow so uh, operation is to Anastomos using a synthetic graft, the patient's right-hand side to the left-hand side. Therefore, the blood flow is coming down the right femoral artery, and you've got some going distally, but also a portion going off to the left-hand side via the synthetic graft to supply the left leg. And again, the scar in this, you'll see two vertical groin incisions, good access to the femoral arteries in the groin, and just like the aorto, uh, sort of the axillo bifemoral, you may be able to palpate the synthetic graft right down in the lower abdomen, almost like where you'd expect to find a, a Fannensteel C-section scar, and again, uh, palpate a thrill and hear a brewy. So thank you very much for uh, listening to this podcast on open vascular operations as part of the basic series. Uh, we will be continuing uh, the basic series with further um, uh, operations in the future. Uh, in terms of vascular operations, please remember that uh, this podcast didn't go into uh, detail of the indications and the um, risks and complications following the surgery. Uh, certain podcasts have already been produced for this, such as the aneurysms podcast, one of uh, our early ones, and we will produce more podcasts on independent or individual uh, vascular procedures in the future. So you can follow us by searching Facebook on School of Surgery, uh, on iTunes by subscribing to School of Surgery, and on schoolofsurgery.podomatic.com. Thank you very much.